Welcome to Get Your Fix, a podcast bringing you insights and expertise in facilities management, brought to you by Vixo, changing the way the world sees facilities management. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Get Your Fix, a Vixo podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for listening to another episode of the show. I want to make sure that you're getting all the Vixo content that you're craving. So as you're listening along, make sure that you're going to Vixo.com. Again, Vixo.com for more information about solutions and services and more Vixo content, including episodes of Get Your Fix and other videos, blogs, etc. And also make sure you're subscribing to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for a full catalog of previous episodes, as well as notifications when we drop new ones. So it seems like disasters in many definitions of that word are impacting businesses nowadays. And, you know, this isn't new, but the frequency seems to be increasing. And as of late, it feels like they're a dime a dozen, whether it's natural disasters like fires and hurricanes, health emergencies like a global pandemic or civil and social unrest that can lead to property damage, uh, many businesses are having to reprioritize what quote-unquote disaster preparedness looks like for their company. So today on Get Your Fix, we're getting some advice and direction on how to get proactive with that preparedness and how to pick the right partner to make sure that your company, your business, and your facilities are prepared. We're pulling from experience and context of our two guests today. I'd like to introduce Penny Carter, Vice President of Operational Excellence, and Johannes Gesse, Director of Service Provider Management, both of them with Vixo. Johannes, Penny, great to have you both on. How are y'all doing? Great. Thanks for asking. Yeah, doing wonderful. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us and giving us this, uh, you know, context and thought leadership on a topic that's really, really timely. Like I mentioned, it just seems like there's always compounding disasters nowadays that could be impacting facilities. And so, uh, you know, it's a little harder to expect what that might look like. And so it becomes even more important for businesses to get on top of this aspect of their facilities management. So let's uh, dig into some of those contextual and timely examples of this at play, and then we'll get into uh, just more generally how businesses should prepare for uh, disaster planning and pick the right partner for said planning. So let's start with COVID because it's the one that's obviously top of mind. How has the COVID pandemic reframed the need for businesses to get ahead of disaster planning? Has it really reprioritized and sort of put this aspect of facilities management back under the microscope? Yes, no, why or why not? What are y'all's thoughts? Yeah, um, I, I think it has. Uh, COVID has really added another variable um, when planning for disasters because in it of itself, it, it really essentially is, uh, I'm using air quotes here, disaster, uh, which businesses really do have to plan for. Some examples uh, throughout what we're experiencing, shortly after things kind of first hit, there was a high demand um, for getting plexiglass installed, um, you know, social distancing markers and signs with the influx of, you know, the businesses that were open at that time, uh, resources uh, from the labor side became, you know, much more scarce. Um, you had materials, you know, plexiglass, for example, that, that also became scarce. So being ahead of the curve there and making those decisions quickly uh, enabled you to to make sure that you had your stake in that kind of that labor and the materials pie. 
Um, and then when stores began to open up, you know, another example is disinfection cleanings became very high in demand. And again, resources became scarce. Um, it, you know, what was once easy to find somebody to come and do your janitorial became a lot, a lot more scarce to find as well as it became a little bit pricier. And then, you know, those again, who, who were a little bit ahead of that curve didn't have as many of those restraints. So, you know, something to, those are probably things to keep in mind. Uh, as you think of the headwinds that are kind of projected to to come back, right? Um, you know, if you're you're keeping up with your daily news, um, the projected fall or winter impact from from COVID could come back and, and potentially worse. So, you know, being kind of, uh, prepared for that is is going to be crucial. So, there's also been an added layer of social unrest recently that has also reframed the conversation around disaster preparedness and what a, you know, quote unquote disaster actually means in the context of protecting property. So obviously the social unrest is in context of the various protests that have popped up across the country with citizens taking to the streets demanding for some major change, specifically police reform in the country. And that kind of bottled up anger when uncorked can lead to riots, can lead to looting, and obviously tied with that is some uh, varying degrees of property damage, which are a very different set of issues to prepare for compared to a global health pandemic or fires or a hurricane, right? It's all a little different. So how have the recent BLM protests also reframed businesses need to be proactive with their disaster preparedness and emergency response? How how does uh, this context differ slightly in the conversation? Yeah, so I, I would say similar to other disasters, right? It's really key for businesses to be in tune you know, with the latest news uh, of where that unrest may happen, right? As if you were tracking a hurricane, did it turn left? Did it turn right? Um, you're, you're you're kind of wanting to stay and prepared and ahead. Uh, so instead of reacting to um, when a riot actually happens, right? You 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 get a little bit um, more proactive and understand where it may happen, um, and then you have more time to. Uh, to plan and um, and execute on that plan. So as an example there, I mean, as recent as this week, uh, I was speaking with a local provider in the Louisville area. And he actually tipped me off that uh, there was some local expectation of some riots there uh, due to uh, the Breonna Taylor case. Um, what this enabled us to do was uh, later that night, uh, we were already able to connect with our clients in the area uh, to to work with their locations there to suggest some early board ups um, and you know really get ahead of some of the potentially impacted areas before they happen before that news actually broke out so um, you know unfortunately there was a lot of unrest that ended up happening with that news um, but our clients were prepared so let's go ahead and jump into uh, just more generally this concept of how businesses are approaching disaster preparedness. So outside of some of those recent examples we just broke down, how would y'all say disaster preparedness is viewed usually by facility managers and by business owners? Would you say that they consider it to be top of mind? Yes, no. Why or why not? Give us your thoughts. So I think... Um Based on the disaster, you have the proactive and reactive preparedness. So if we're focusing on the proactive preparedness, 
hurricanes, snow issues, you name it, something we can prepare for, business owners and facility managers tend to really have that in the back of their minds. They react at the last minute looking for support and it's not top of the mind as you're asking. When you have a partnership with your customers, the customer should be relying on you as an extension of their organization to utilize for disaster preparedness. And if they do that, you're talking to them consistently and preparing ahead of time. Additionally, reactively, I, I think if you look at reactive, customers are thinking, well, I just, I do that on a day-to-day -day basis. And when I mean reactive, I'm speaking something that a truck drives through the front of their storefront or something like that, where you reactively resolve the, the disaster. Do you think that within the community of facility managers and business owners, that there is maybe a misunderstanding of what it means to prepare for a quote unquote disaster, maybe differing definitions of what a disaster is, different definitions of what prepare is to them uh, in practice. Uh, so, yeah, do you all see any misunderstandings potentially? If so, why or why not? Does it impact, uh, you know, their ability to stay ahead of these things? What are your thoughts? It's not necessarily a misunderstanding as much of lack of knowledge. So depending on the knowledge of that facilities department or that customer or business owner, we find that they either approach it right up front and have discussions with us and we together in that partnership work through it, or they're almost uh, coming to you at the last minute, like I mentioned earlier, and they're saying, I don't understand what to do. Can you help me? So it's really being an active player in their business and help guiding them as you're watching it per season or per social situation or climate related to some changes in the industry. As facilities professionals approach their disaster preparedness then, with all of this in mind, what are the key questions that you think facility managers should be asking themselves to make sure that their planning actually matches their specific businesses' needs? You know, I'll take that first and then I'll turn it over to Johannes because I think he'll have some things to add. But is there a plan developed? Do they have communication to the correct personnel? And what I mean that is, what type of people in the business need to be responsive in a disaster internally or externally? And then I would also say some regional concerns. Obviously, if your business is in the south versus the north, you may not have to worry about uh, snow, but you worry about hurricane. So how are you addressing the regional? And then are there issues you're addressing as part of that plan? Yeah, Penny, um, I, I wholeheartedly uh, agree. I think that the regional concern is probably one of the biggest uh, factors uh, that might be overlooked. Um, I think you really got to tap into the local knowledge uh, from those regions where you might have uh, the different potential disasters, right? So you think of the West Coast, um, California, for example, where earthquakes might be a bigger concern than, than maybe in the South or Southeast or, or the, the East Coast, uh, as far as maybe hurricanes would be uh, more of a factor. So really tapping in and understanding you know, what are the different responses um, and what would, you know, what local knowledge could you tap into and able to better plan for those um, disasters? To loop Vixo in, how has the company set itself up to be a reliable partner 
for disaster planning? Have you developed your relationships with service providers to be top of line compared to other folks in the industry? You know, really what helps set you apart as that partner? Just for context. Well, I think it starts with implementation. When we have a new client, we actually sit down with them and talk about what is your disaster planning? Do you have one? Who are your key people we need to talk to? Let us tell you how we um, have a developed BCP plan and what you can expect from us, whether it's proactive or reactively. Um, so we hit it from the front end that way. The partners that we're using are essentially the same partners that we utilize from the day-to-day -day work, right? So that's really where we, we build and develop deep relationships with our providers. During the non-disaster times, we provide them the ability to keep their businesses running profitably and efficiently. This way, when we really need them, they prioritize the VIXO work um, ahead of others. We, we do plan to make sure we're communicating proactively with those providers as, uh, you know, disasters uh, are kind of seen in the future. And, and we found that uh, our providers have latched onto that and they in turn have been communicating proactively with us to let us know their availability. Um, some, some great examples are we've got, we've, we've had providers who are several states away from a disaster and they'll let us know that they are um, available to travel with a team ready to respond to hurricane board ups and, you know, bring sandbags into client locations. Let's get some specific examples as well to ground some of your insights here. Do you have any examples of working with companies and some of the key factors or motivators that have both shaped Vixo's business continuity plan over the years, um, but also how that actually has impacted the companies that you work with? You know, we have a lot of different customers that we work with in our organization. And depending on where they're located, what's going on um, in their business, we know uh, what they've been talking to us about support or that arm I talked about earlier as an extension of their business. So the detailed plan that we work with for them, uh, we all call meetings way ahead of time and start reaching out to our customers to say, how do you need our help? What do you need from us? And that's where then Johannes's team will be coming in and saying, we need to closely watch you monitor and proactively work together and have communication back and forth. So the recent hurricane, let's talk about Sally. Sally obviously came in, it was expected to hit near Louisiana or, you know, the downtown area, it, it slightly moved over and didn't hit Louisiana as much as expected as it hit Florida and Alabama. And in doing that, we didn't just watch and stop. We actually took that event every hour we watch to see if it was changing and we meet internally to make sure to adjust that where that course of that that storm is going. So um, I, I would use that as a good example. It's a lessons learned to facility managers, business owners, that you can't just assume it's going to hit exactly the way it's expected. So you have to be proactive in looking multiple areas and prepare for that so that you're not reacting on the back end. You're proactively watching for it on the front end. And I would say similarly, like that same type of communication you give to your service providers um, and you let them kind of give some of that communication back to you 
because they're the ones that are usually really close and you know local and they can they can give you that direct uh, feedback that you're not going to get from you know maybe the news some examples there are during some of the protests um, really and the bad side of the protests right with with some of the riots service providers were able to give us feedback that said hey your your time limit your cutoff is probably 5 p.m today for example uh, to let us know which stores needed to be boarded up um, because after that, we're not going to be able to get to these stores. Uh, curfew is going to be enabled. Uh, there's going to be roadblocks. We're going to be very limited, right? Our, our, our technicians will have to get back home to their families. So we're going to be limited to help you. So timing is of the essence to make that decision. All right, y'all, we're getting to the end here of our conversation. So just to sort of put everything together and tie it all uh, up in a neat bow, what are the key factors that you think facilities professionals should consider as they're choosing their facilities partner, especially with disaster planning as a top priority? What are the main factors that they need to consider and why? A dedicated account team who's familiar with their business stays on top of what's going on, checking in with them regularly is extremely important. And I'm not just talking daily, there's monthly and quarterly things that you can be doing to really be sure you understand their business and proactively look for things ahead for special seasonal or, or type things like that. Also consistent communication. You can't have communication only flowing one direction. It's got to be both internally with the, the customers, but externally with the service providers. And I'll let Johannes, you know, talk a little bit about that in a second. You know, regular check-ins, those, those contacts you have internally with that account team you're going to proactively, they're expecting you to be the expert. So make sure you're talking to them, giving them regular updates so they really can focus on their business versus how to handle a disaster. And then I'd like to lastly say, you know, you always got to think of recovery from the disaster. And so there's other things you'll want to do to be ready for post-disaster and understanding what you need to recover and get their business back up and running for their revenue generation on the back end as well. Great points, Penny. Um, and, and I will piggyback on kind of the first point you made. Experience, experience, experience is, is I think, key, right? Has my facilities partner, have they been here before? Have they done, you know, have they been through this type of disaster? Have they been through this this type of disaster with my unique business needs, right? Because one business to another might have different needs and have different priorities of what needs to be protected and planned for. Uh, and, and to Penny's point, you know, what happens after, right? How do you recover? Um, and then also, I think a big factor is, does my partner have a flexible network of relationships that they'd be able to lean on. During disasters, you know, those same resources get pulled. Other clients, um, there's there's a lot of demand generated for what, you know, those individual service providers do. Does my partner have the ability to pull from those relationships and get me the necessary resources that I need? All right, y'all. I think that covers it on this episode of Get Your Fix. Again, we've been chatting with Penny Carter and Johannes Gesse. Thank you both for joining us and giving us your thoughts on why companies should be refocusing their disaster preparedness, how they can do so, 
and why it's important to pick the right partner to get on top of that planning. So again, Penny, Johannes, thank you for joining us. And if folks want to learn a little bit more about your solutions in this space or get in touch, where can they go online to learn more? Vixo.com. Easy enough. Love it. (laughs) All right. Penny, Johannes, thanks again. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Thank you, Daniel. And thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Get Your Fix, a Vixo podcast. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, make sure you're going to Vixo.com. Again, Vixo.com for more information about solutions and services and other pieces of content. And make sure you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.